Hey, I'm Tremika, and you're listening to Deep Dives with Tremika Benjamin, where we bring higher education executives an in-depth look at innovative strategies that propel their institutions forward. Today, I'm bringing you Dr. Karen Stout. She's the president and CEO of Achieving the Dream. I've asked her to talk about a topic that is affecting colleges and universities all across the country, student transfer rates. Dr. Stout is going to dive deep into the barriers and the impacts and some of the solutions that she recommends regarding low transfer rates for students from community colleges to four-year universities. And hey, if you like this episode, please learn more about us at www.deepdivestv.com. Let's dive in. Dr. Stout, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. It means the world to us that you're able to be here. One of the main things that we had in terms of feedback when we asked some of our constituents what they wanted to hear about, one of the main things they were interested in is what is happening with our students and why aren't they transferring, and they wanted to hear what was happening with that from you. So before I get started, I do want to know, do you prefer... Dr. Stout, or do you prefer Karen? Karen is fine. Okay, thank you so much. It'll make it a lot easier for me not to stumble over myself. So I think the best place for us to start is at the beginning. So what's going on with transfer rates from community colleges into universities? Well, I mean, it's a, there's a big picture here about transfer. Community colleges were really founded uh, to be a bridge between high school and the four-year college and university. Um, and different community colleges have missions that balance transfer and workforce in different ways. Right. right? So some mm-hmm. are doing a lot of workforce. Some are doing a lot of transfer. Uh, nonetheless, now transfer is a primary career pathway. Right. Right. A right. baccalaureate is uh, the credential, whether we like it or not, that most employers are looking for for entry positions, like 60 to 70% now of positions that are posted require a bachelor's degree. So, you know, with that being the larger macro environment, uh, our work around transfer, whether you call it workforce or transfer or both, because it is Mm -hmm. both, has become a social imperative. It's a social justice imperative. our students come to community colleges, 80% come to community colleges across the country with the intention to transfer, to wow. earn a baccalaureate degree. Six years later, 15% of those students earn a baccalaureate degree. Six years later. Six years later. Time and a half. Time and a half, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Earn the bachelor's degree. So we have to wow. begin asking ourselves questions as community college leaders about the why. Why? Yeah. What's happening to those students? Where are they dropping in this uh, transfer pipeline? And what can we do uh, as institutions? But also, uh, you know, my perspective is that transfer is it's a design problem that is a systems design problem. It has some institutional design elements to it, but it's primarily a systems design problem. What does that mean? Talk to me about that. That means that a community college alone can't solve the transfer problem. It's the, the symbiotic relationship between the university infrastructure as well as the community college infrastructure and the community as a whole. Absolutely. To empower these students. Yes. One of the things Absolutely. that I think is really interesting is as we start to have this conversation, I think that you've done some pretty phenomenal work to understand what those students look like that live, they, those 80%, that 80% you're talking about, you spend a lot of work one-on-one within institutions figuring out who are these students that want to transfer. Talk to me a little bit about that as we get into the systems conversation, because I think that's important. Well, we believe at, at Achieving the Dream that uh, reform for student success 
does does begin at the institutional level. Certainly, there are circles of reform around that. There's state policy. There's a regional ecosystem that a community college sits within. But in order to get started in this work, a college has to start with the students that they have and understanding who they are. Right, right. Every, you know, everything they can find out about them. So we've built a reputation as an organization that we help our community colleges become more data informed. And that means understanding the student experience from the time a student inquires about a community college and maybe even further back, you know, who is in our community now mm-hmm. uh, as second, third, fourth graders that are going to be the future community college students. And, and how do we begin to build uh, a pipeline for those students to come in and, and succeed? And what does that look like? And then when they get to the college, Who's enrolling and who's succeeding? Uh, and why are students dropping out of the right. pipeline? And why are they dropping out at different points? And why are sub, some subpopulations of students having, uh, having a, a, a more challenging time getting through the way our colleges are designed mm-hmm. uh, than others? So that's a really interesting point. So let's talk a little bit about the why. What are some of the barriers that's happening? What is happening in this state of higher education that is creating these barriers for our students to transfer? I think the barriers are multidimensional. There are institutional barriers at the community college uh, and at the four-year receiving institution. So there are you know, the barriers within the way the two organizations are constructed. There's not a seamless construction. Let's yeah. put it that way. We can talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Um, and then I think that there are you know, student barriers. And no matter what the student's goal is, transfer or employment, they, maybe they're coming and they're coming for a credential and they know they're not coming for a baccalaureate degree. Some students are going to face common challenges. Right. Low-income, first-generation college students, uh, do not necessarily understand what college is, what the jargon might be, just simple things like how do I register? Yep, I think it's a very valid How point. do I navigate a website? You know, I, I talk to our college presidents and I say, go to your own website, pretend you're a student, take on a persona of a student and try to navigate through your own admissions process and then try to navigate through what might be a transfer process. So you're coming in to X community college and you want to be a business, you want a business degree. It's How do I map that out using your website? Right. You really, it's very challenging. It's interesting because um, with SWIM, some of the work that we do, we before we even start engaging with our clients with mapping out their processes, we say we understand, but we need to do a series of secret students. And we assume those personas and we walk through the process because what we find is a lot of institutions love their age-old processes more than they love those students. Oh, absolutely. And they are creating so many different ways that these students cannot be engaged and feel as though they can exceed even with the simple application, right? That's right. And I think to your point, that's great. That's exactly one of those institutional barriers that you're talking about. So you think about uh, the processes of advising Mm -hmm. and whether advisors understand all of the transfer pathways that exist. That's really interesting. They, They can't 
understand all the transfer pathways because most of our community colleges, and I know when I was president at Montgomery County Community College in Pennsylvania, at one point we had about 1,200 different transfer pathways for our students. 1,200 different transfer pathways. So no matter how much advisor training you do, it's very difficult for advisors to so twelve hundred really strong transfer information. In addition <coughs> to that, it's very difficult to keep that information electronically cataloged and up to date. And that's where the system is is not strong. strong. It's not strong. So, so there, there are those student barriers. From an institutional perspective, uh, we talked about advising. We also... We know that students struggle with transferring credits in AAS degree programs. So those are applied associate degree programs. Uh, yet we continue to offer those programs in the same formats without thinking about deconstructing them and creating them in ways that will transfer more easily. Now I'm saying something that maybe is a little kind of, uh, will, will put some people off. Yep. And I think that that's absolutely true because we continue to do the same things over and over, over and over again, and then we're expecting different results, which we all know what that the de- that's the definition. <laughs> so there are some AAS degree pathways uh, in areas like accounting, right? Computer information systems mm-hmm. that could be constructed as AS programs meaning that they're constructed right out of the gate as transfer programs. Right. And that would ease a student's pathway into the university. So there are some things that we as community colleges can unbundle and do a better job with by looking at our data. And I mean, we can look at our data and we see AAS degrees are constructed. The old model was that they were constructed for students who did not want to transfer. They were going right into a career. But we know across the country that you know, as many as two-thirds of AAS degree recipients transfer. Right, right. And they lose credit. They lose a lot of credits upon transfer. So who starts that conversation within an institution, right? So who says, hey, guys, we're not structuring our degree programs right. So let's start having that conversation because we know it's not the president. Well, no, I mean, sometimes it is the president, but it, it, it begins with looking at the data and understanding what's happening with transfer, not looking at transfer out as the success metric, but looking at completion of a baccalaureate as the success metric. So a, so a community college leader has to really shift their focus and think long game for their student. So that associate degree completion is really a progression metric, mm, not the end. Not the end. Not the end. Not the end if they really want to do the work that is around student success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all of our success metrics right now in community colleges uh, do not have that metric of baccalaureate completion embedded in them. Some of the leading presidents are owning that metric. And that's really impressive because that it would I would see that when this starts to happen within an institution, does that four-year university or do the four-year university stand up and take notice? What does that relationship look like? Because I know that you mentioned that the systems just don't, they're not structured in a way that they can work That's together. That's a great question. I think many of the receiving universities, the majority, don't know that the community college students are not completing at the rates 
that they think that they might be completing and that we have a responsibility as community college leaders. And now we can, because we can look at national student clearinghouse data. Right. We can get, act- there was a time 10 years ago, you couldn't really get this data without really building data sets. And it was very difficult. Now it's not that, it's not that hard. Right. So uh, we have an obligation, I think, as community college leaders to share with our university transfer partners the data by program, by student population and to talk collaboratively about the why. We also have, it's interesting because I think, you know, many of our community colleges have one or two primary transfer partners where maybe 50% of their transfer students go. And then they might have 30 or 40 transfer partners where the rest of the right. rest of the students go, or even more <laughs> than that, depending, yeah. depending on how large the institution is. Uh, and we, we haven't really looked at that. We don't, un, as, as leaders, we don't fully understand our, you know, the, our, the transfer patterns of our own students. So once we do, you know, it, break, it should break us out of this habit. And, and I was in this habit uh, as a community college president at one point in my career. I discourage it now uh, to create articulation agreement after articulation agreement. Do the grip and grin, sign the paperwork, and say you have a transfer agreement. And never look at the data about how many students actually take advantage of that. You agreement. just move on to the next you just articulation move on to the agreement. Next articulation agreement, <laughs> and you check the box. Right. Done. Done. Uh, this, when you have the data in hand and you know, you know where your students are going and where they are succeeding. You know that you put more energy into those universities and developing that relationship. And you begin to think differently about transfer days on your campus and mm-hmm. who you invite in and who, who, who you don't invite in. Yep. Because you begin to have a, you have a moral kind of look at it and you say, we have a transfer articulation agreement with X university and we know that 8% of the transfer students we're sending there actually end up with a baccalaureate degree. Wow. Advisors That's need amazing. to know that information. Mm-hmm. And so what is the amount of consumer information you then begin to share with your students? There's th- those are the questions that that data leads you to. Now, another barrier that you mentioned earlier was um, student barriers. Let's talk a little bit about that. Cost. You know, all the, all the barriers that relate to completion, whether a student is a transfer student or, or not a transfer student. Have you found in your research that students, the, the, the non-traditional first time in college, first generation student, they struggle with some of the fundamentals when they're transferring over to universities, things such as transportation. They're, they've been working jobs up until this point. Um, how, how does that impact that transfer rate? I don't think we've studied enough how the construct at the university is influencing that transfer rate? Interesting question, because uh, if a university is thinking about transfer as part of their mission, they probably are looking at seamless scheduling, uh, formatting courses in ways that students can get access to the courses, working students and Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. other students, you know, day courses, evening courses, online courses. So they're probably thinking about flexibility. But if they're, you know, if they aren't 
thinking about transfer as being part of their mission. And their enrollment pipeline, they're not. Right. Right. Because part of their enrollment management strategy. Right. Because as you get down this this funnel or this, this process line and you see where the baton is officially passed, for that, that demographic of that community college, XYZ student from community college, from X community college transfers to Y university, once they're transferred, their experience, how they get back and forth to school, whether or not they work, whether or not their mother is home with them sick, all of that, all of those life situations is now transferred to a university that, to your point, may not even be thinking about that because they're more used to their 21-year-old students that are about to graduate. Exactly. You know? I had a, a conversation, and this was this is fresh in my mind because it was a couple of days ago, with a young man that was driving me to the airport. And we were, we were talking about, he, he asked me what I do for a living. So when I told him what I do for a living, he talked about his experience at the local community college. And then talked about his transfer experience. Wow. And he said this. He said, I think that school, and that meaning that school, the school he transferred to, was designed so I would not complete. He said that? He said that. And I'm thinking, oh my, I do. And I think he got the word design because I talked about helping colleges to redesign processes and systems to help more students get into and through community colleges Mm -hmm, as, mm -hmm. as the mission of achieving the dream. Uh, so maybe that's where he got the, the design word. But I, you know, I pushed on that. What do you mean that it wasn't designed so that you would complete? He said the courses weren't offered when I could take the courses. That was, that was one. He said the, he had to take additional credits because they would not take all of the credits from the community college, even though he had an associate degree in the same program. They added... Additional you know, like twelve additional credits. He said there were fifty students that came in to the program as a cohort with him into that transfer cohort, and only two at the end persisted. He said, and it was wow. only because of his grit and the fact that he took out a lot of student loans that he was able to complete. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to think. And he is not employed in the area field. in the field of study. Wow. And he, he's, he's you know, driving so that he can help pay his rent and his student loans. It's interesting because I think I hear what you're saying. And I think about the, when a client engages SWIM, the first thing they say is, we want you to take a look at our processes for onboarding. What I find is Institutions want to have the hard conversation of tell me when my processes are flawed. However, when it comes time to fix them, to me, that is how you define institutions who are really ready to make, to do this work and have transformational change. What, um, because to me, this directly impacts what's happening with our students as we're trying to transfer. Because one of the things that happens is we talk about the communications and the milestones that take place with the students through the advising sessions, what happens inside of the classroom, but it's deeper than that. Because these students need to understand the basic fundamentals to your point of what it means to go to college and what's going to happen when they transfer. So how do you prepare your 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 institutions for the work that is ahead when you're looking at processes, because that means you actually have to change them. Well, there's a, there's a whole lot in that question. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> you know, so, so we believe at Achieving the Dream that there are seven institutional capacities that you need to develop in order to build a student success culture. So we walk colleges through an assessment of where they are in each of those capacity areas so that they understand, first of all, before you can even begin to do change, to move into a change leadership process, you have to have certain data and technology capacities. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain policy infrastructure, at least you, it may not be the right policy infrastructure, but you have to have, have something. You have right. to have something. You have to have leadership yeah. at all, you know, at all different, different levels. You have to have a perspective, a point of view on teaching and learning. Uh, we believe you have to have a point of view on equity, and it has to be one of those seven fundamentals, mm-hmm. and it courses then through everything else too. You know, so yeah. it's an and. So anyway, th- there are seven of those th- that we run colleges through. Um, central to that really building the change, the case for change for us is understanding the student story. And that's, that's a, a qualitative and quantitative story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we work, with, we work with a lot of the tribal colleges and universities in, the, in this country. And I've learned a lot in working with the tribal colleges they begin their story of, of the need for making a case for transformation with the story of, a, of students, and then they backfill the stories with data. Our more traditional colleges begin with the data and right. backfill the data with the stories. Right. It doesn't really matter where you start and end. And, and it's just that they both have to be combined. And once you begin to be lead change with that story. It's really hard for, uh, to, for, for groups within the college to mount resistance. You just keep staying with the story, the case. You build your elevator speech, you get the case, and you start with, uh, if it has to be one part of a process that you decide you're gonna process redesign, and then you show success, then you celebrate that and you move to the next and you hopefully get the flywheel turning. And once the flywheel starts turning, then the, then the whole dilemma for a leader is how do I keep that flywheel aligned? Right. <laughs> and, and, and not have everything all over the place. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that actually is a perfect segue to the next question of how, how have you, what are some best practices that you've seen in terms of how administration and faculty have worked together to do this work? There's a, uh, there's, there's inside the community college, and then there would be across community college to the university. So mm-hmm. let me talk about inside the community college first. Uh, I've seen colleges really utilize uh, a tool, program review. It's been around mm-hmm. for a long time uh, as a way to inject change and to get faculty to lead the charge around transfer by by just embedding the right data metrics into the program review process. That's interesting. And then building accountability around making changes that come out of the program review recommendation process. Huh. So I, I've seen that lever be used, used very well. Um, from the university to the community college, uh, getting faculty in groups of communities of practice with faculty from the universities to understand and respect uh, the quality 
of course design and course content that is the aligned, you know, kind of sequence of the curriculum so that, that there's not that gap between, you know, what a university faculty member thinks about an economics course at the community college compared to the sequenced economics right. course at the university. And that, those types of, of, those opportunities I've seen be very effective as well. So you are currently doing some work with the Belk Center for Community College Leadership and Research at North Carolina State University. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you're doing? Absolutely. Well, Achieving the Dream is one of several national partners working with the Belk Center in building, helping North Carolina uh, continue to build a strong community college system. And we are at the table with Belk doing a number of things, primarily working with their, uh, their presidents or 58 community colleges in North Carolina. We're working uh, with the presidents in building pro ongoing professional development for the presidents. Uh, we're also well working with the uh, Belk Center on some teaching and learning work. And most recently, uh, we've been looking deeply at uh, data sets around the labor market value of degrees in North Carolina and, the, and kind of the supply and demand, uh, what's required in different regions from a workforce perspective in North Carolina and how the community colleges are building programs to respond to those demands. And interestingly, uh, we're finding that there is a high degree of need for baccalaureate degrees uh, in North Carolina, especially in the Raleigh and Charlotte kind of regional region hubs, and that community colleges play a major role in the talent development pipeline for those regions. Talk to so, me about that. What do you mean? Well, well, building the pipeline for community college students to transfer is going to be the only way that North that Carolina can, can meet their labor market demand, demand needs, their workforce demand needs. Oh, wow. So it, be, it's, it's, uh, it becomes a, an economic imperative in mm -hmm. some respects to figure out how to build the transfer pipeline in some of these communities in North Carolina. And when will we know more about the results from the work that you're doing? Well, the um, Belk, Belk Center will be releasing some type of report soon around what the, trans, what the state of transfer is in North Carolina. And is, are they the only state that is looking into this work, or are there other places that's doing it right now? I, I think many states are looking at the work. What's unique about North Carolina is that they do have the Belk Center. Right. And so they have a, you know, a, an independent university-attached research center focused just on helping the North Carolina community colleges to begin to see what the future opportunities look like for the way they should be designing their colleges. Right. Uh, that's very unique. You know, we don't, I haven't seen that in other states. But there are states that do have transfer agendas and that are working on transfer. And there's been legislation in some states to help try to ease transfer as well. So there, there's, but I don't, I don't think there's been enough conversation about, we, we still talk about transfer the way that we talked about transfer when community college, you know, 30 years ago, when, when we say it's just part of the community it's college part, mission. Right, it's right. Just, it's part of the mission. It's one of the things that comprehends. Oh, and by the way, they we want to transfer. Does, where, right. You know, oh, by the way, you can transfer. Uh, but we haven't elevated the conversation to transfer to one of it, it's not a, it's not just about moving a student from the community college to the university. It's a bigger imperative around uh, solving the country's economic mobility issues. Right. 
is if we don't figure out those transfer pathways, we will leave behind, we will continue to leave behind the most disadvantaged, currently disadvantaged students in the pipeline. We'll just continue to replicate the current systemic inequities in our system. So you shared with us earlier that 80% of students go into the community college space assuming that they're going to transfer. And um, time and a half later, so six years later, 15% actually have completed that degree. Is that correct? That's correct. So this is nationwide. This is a nationwide systemic issue. So what are your... How would you advise? We we have people listening right now in their cars. We have people listening as they're walking on their treadmills. What would you, they're saying, you know, gosh, I'm, I need to fix this, but I have no idea where to start. And of course, we start with the data. But let's talk about what that means, because sometimes institutions can, you know, have death by data is what I like to call it and just swarm in it for years. So talk about what are they looking at? What do they need to start thinking about? Well, they really need to start thinking about it, it, the the disaggregating mm-hmm. the data. So looking at that six-year transfer data and then beginning to disaggregate. Disaggregate by different categories of students. Income, race, age, gender, programs. And then within the programs, do even more Down disaggregation. Down into it. Really, yeah. Right? Online, uh, face-to-face. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, STEM programs, the humanities programs, and then, you know, do that further disaggregation. And for, for a community college leader, understanding your transfer story and then beginning to identify two, three, four of the universities that you want to go and share that story with that university president and say, will you co-own with me this outcome? Right. Will you share, yes. will you share this and we'll... How can there's I, I don't know how we hold each other accountable except to set a shared common goal and right. make it public. I think you said something really interesting. You said to create the transfer story for your students. And here's what I believe sometimes happens. You have they have they've disaggregated this data. They have it. And they understand, you know, X number of students who are in this program that are online have a, you know, 17% um, chance of transferring or not transferring. But what you're saying is not that. What you're saying is build a story. Meet Jane Doe. Jane Doe is a student who wants to go into marketing and she started at X community college in this environment and walk, share that story so that now it's no longer, you know, all African-American males between the age 22 to 23. It is John Doe. Yes. Is that correct? That's correct. And I use a story. It's Janae's story. Janae uh, started, left high school, like a traditional student and went to her fairly local regional university Hmm. and uh, did fairly well uh, in her first two years, had a good grade point average, but she could not afford the tuition. And as a result, she was on full Pell. She says, I couldn't even afford to put a comforter on my bed. So she was staying in the dorms. So think about Think about the, what, Janae's, uh, dealing what with. Janae's dealing with, this whole sense of belonging, which she strived for at this university. And she was academically well-prepared for, for the journey. 
but she couldn't afford it. She worked at Target. She worked at Starbucks. She had a campus work study. And then she had her Pell Grant. She did not want to take out a loan. And she said, I exhausted myself and I had to drop out. Wow. I went to the local community college. My mother became ill. My mother passed away. I had to take care of my brothers. I had to drop out again. So she's accumulated credits along the mm-hmm. way. So now mm-hmm. she you know, has more than 60 credits, halfway to a baccalaureate degree. Decides as an adult, like five back. years later with children, she now has children to go back to the local community college. And you know, finally gets the, finally has the, 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 the college understanding her story and the support she needs to complete and now transfer and, and complete her baccalaureate degree. But to me, you know, and a lot of us will say, well, Janae, we'll make Janae part of the problem and not own that it is the design of our colleges that's the problem. I agree. It, right. So, you know, she, she, she says in her story, I know a lot of people like me. Have I done something wrong? Have we done something wrong? And the answer is no. You haven't. No, the system is not set up for your success. That gets back to the young man who said, you know, he, he, this school was not designed, designed. for him to complete. Ah. Uh. So, so, yes, knowing those stories is really important. I do want to thank you so much for spending time with us today. I think that um, the work that you're doing to make sure that we understand the why, what is happening, I think that you have to start with why in any time you're approaching work this complex. And I want to thank you for sharing this with us. I am so excited to hear about the additional work that you're doing with the Belk Center. And I just am so thankful for you being here today. So thank, thank you, you very much, Karen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you enjoyed today's show. You can find more episodes at www.deepdivestv.com, or you can subscribe through your favorite podcast subscription service. Thank you so much, and until next time.